are continuing our series called Weird Stories from the Bible. Perhaps one of the most famous prophets in all of the Old Testament is the prophet Elijah. Some of you know of the prophet Elijah. He was a major part of my favorite biblical story, one of my favorites biblical story, and that is Elijah on Mount Carmel, uh, where he calls down fire from heaven. The Lord shows up that day, and they conquer the evil prophets of Baal and Asherah. It's a great story. If you've never read it, I encourage you to, to check that out. However, as wonderful as Elijah was, the prophet who followed him actually had a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. And that prophet's name was Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah, Elisha. And let me tell you, Elisha was very special, and he had plenty of weird stories. Now, we're only going to cover one of those this morning, perhaps not the weirdest of his stories, but nonetheless, the one we're looking at this morning. Today, we're going to learn about this weird story from the ministry of Elisha. But before we do, I want to ask the Lord to supernaturally speak to us through his word as we study that his spirit will be with us, will teach us, will guide us, will illuminate our minds and hearts to hear what God wants from us. So join me now in prayer. God, we need you to speak to us this morning. There are so many in this room, Lord, at different points in their lives, different points in their spiritual walk, some following you faithfully for many, many years, some new believers, and some, I dare say, who don't even know you as Lord. God, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, powerful Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us. Teach us through your word, God. Help us to understand what you are doing throughout the grand scheme of Scripture and how you are speaking to us this morning. Lord, bless every heart and mind in here from the, the child to the oldest attendee. Lord, may you do something wonderful for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today's sermon is entitled, When Axe Heads Float. And some of you know this story from Scripture. Some of you, you may not. Well, you're all going to get a chance to hear about it this morning. But in case you didn't know, axe heads are not supposed to float. That is what makes this passage weird. However, we're going to see today that they do sometimes, at least one time, float. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Please notice that the place where we live under your supervision is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan where we can get, each get a log and can build ourselves a place to live there. Go, he said. Then one said, please come with your servants. I'll come, he answered. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, oh, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, the man of God cut a piece of wood, threw it there, and made the iron float. Then he said, pick it up. So he reached out and took it. 
All right, that's it. That's the story right there. But let's learn about what is happening in this weird story. We're going to learn a lot more because if I only explained this, it would only take about five minutes and we'd be out really early. So we can't do that. So we're going to learn a little bit more about what is going on in this passage. So let's learn a little bit about Elijah uh, or some more about Elisha as we look at this story. So first we realize Elisha was God's servant. Elisha was God's servant. I, I dare say he is perhaps the most underrated prophet in the scriptures. Perhaps the most underrated. He had so many great stories, so many weird things happen, uh, so many things that were associated with him. For, so he, for instance, he parted the Jordan River right after he became the main prophet of Israel. He parted the Jordan River. I mean, I, we always talk about Moses parting the Red Sea, which is incredible. Well, uh, Elisha parted the Jordan River. Uh, also, Elisha purified contaminated water, water that was un, unsafe to drink. Elisha performed an, a miracle and purified that water. Elisha produced endless oil for a widow to sell to support herself. Elisha raised a dead boy back to life. Okay, that's not child's play, all right? He raised a dead boy back to life. Uh, Elisha multiplied bread. By the way, some of these same miracles were performed by Jesus, okay? Multiplying bread, raising people back to life. Uh, Elisha, again, as Jesus did, Elisha healed a man of leprosy named Naaman. He healed, this guy was not even a follower of God, and, he, and Elisha told him to, how to be healed from leprosies. And perhaps this is not one that Jesus did, but perhaps my favorite, this, this should have been a weird story sermon, was the moment when Elisha cursed some young boys who were making fun of his baldness. Now, I want to read this one to you, okay? So you can follow along on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking up the path, some boys came out of the city and jeered at him, chanting, Go up, baldy! Go up, baldy! He turned around, looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. <laughs> How about that? I should have really, honestly, I probably should have preached a sermon on that one. That is, uh, we have a children's ministry called Elisha's Children's Ministry. I'm just kidding about that. Uh, he was not a very good children's pastor, but uh, he was a very good prophet. By the way, it doesn't say he put the bears on them. It says he cursed them. And the Lord put the bears on them. That's a whole other story. So this, this is, I mean, there's some weird stuff going on with Elisha. He was certainly an odd character, as many of the prophets were. But this was a sign. Listen, this bear attack was a sign that Elisha was God's man. He was God's chosen and anointed servant. In fact, as I said earlier, Elisha was given a double portion of the spirit of his predecessor, the one who came before him, Elijah. Let's read about that as well. We have it on the screen for you. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 through 13 says, uh, talks about this. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? So Elisha answered, please let me inherit two shares of your spirit, Elijah replied. Elijah replied, you have asked for something difficult. If you see me being taken from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. 
As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. As Elisha watched, he, crept, he kept crying out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. When he could see him no longer, he took hold of his own clothes, tore them in two, picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Okay, we'll stop there from now. We'll pick it up a little bit later. But we see here that Elijah said, Elisha, if you see me being taken into heaven, then you can have the double portion of my spirit. And of course, we see Elisha did see that happening. He said, I see the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And he saw Elijah being taken into heaven. And he did, in fact, receive the double portion of Elijah's spirit. So we see here, and when we talk about it, we talk about the anointing that was upon Elijah. It's not like his actual spirit, like he was possessed by Elijah. It's the anointing that God had placed upon Elijah was doubly placed upon Elisha. So we see this evidence that Elisha received two shares of the double of the spirit of Elijah, and then we see that he had a special anointing. Elijah did, and twice that, apparently, upon the life of Elisha. So... That brings us back to our story today about the floating axe head. We have this miraculous event where an axe head goes crashing into the river. When it says the Jordan, that means the Jordan River, as we might say, you know, the Mississippi or something like that. The Jordan is the Jordan River. So the axe head goes crashing into the river, and Elisha causes it to float supernaturally. By the way, I think it's worth noting, you may read some study Bibles from time to time or some commentary. Some of you do that. Uh, and you might see some people that tried to explain miracles away. And they say, oh, well, this is what really happened. Some of the theories for this is that uh, it actually fell into a really shallow part of the river and the guy just reached down and picked it up. Uh, and another story, another explanation is that it fell into the deep part of the river and Elisha when it says he placed wood or stick in the water, that he made like a long cane pole and reached down there and hooked that thing and brought it up. Well, first of all, that would be miraculous to do that. If, you, if you've ever tried to pull something off the bottom of a river, it's really hard. But that's not what happened at all. It's not at all how the scriptures read. I mean, in order to believe things like that, you basically can just take anything in the Bible and make it whatever you want to make it because it's totally not in line with what actually happened in the scripture this was in fact a miracle of god it was a supernatural event listen folks axe heads do not float they sink and they sink quickly okay so we need to understand the fact that the axe head floating is a weird thing to happen it is unnatural it is in fact supernatural this story though weird very clearly points to a miracle by Elisha, the servant of God. So back in our weird story, we have this group of men called the sons of the prophets. The sons of the prophets. Now, just so you know, we're not talking about the literal, like just all the offspring of the prophets. What we're talking about here is a group, sort of a, a cohort or a class or a group, maybe even like you might consider it a fraternity of of young men who are training to be prophets. And they're referred to as the sons of the prophets. In fact, some uh, resources say there may have been as many as 50 of them training during the time of Elisha. 
And they, these sons of the prophets that come to Elisha, one of the things he's known for, in addition to all the weird stories, is that he trained other prophets. And they, they come to him and they want to train because he was a prophet for 60 years. Elisha had 60 years of experience as a prophet. Remember, he trained under one of the greatest, Elijah. And so he's an influential prophet who not only performed miracles, but he was consulted by kings for advice. The kings would come to him, not, not just kings of Israel. Other kings would come to him and say, tell us what the Lord is saying. And Elisha was an ideal man to train other prophets. However, there was one big problem. They were cramped for space. They were, I mean, it was cramped. All these young men were coming to train, and they were running out of space. In verse 1, the sons of the prophets say to Elisha, Please notice that the place where we live under your supervision is too small for us. Now, these guys were brave because Elisha, I mean, he can call out like a lion or something, take them out, say, Stop complaining. Here comes a lion, you know. But if you get too many young men crowded together, it can be a problem. I used to be a youth pastor. We got Pastor Richard in the back. We, we, we've been to camp before where you get a bunch of young men in a small area. It's a problem. The things do not go well. By the way, same problem with young ladies. Sometimes worse with young ladies, I learned as a youth pastor. But it started to become a problem for these sons of the prophets. So Elisha allows them to carry out this plan. He says in, in verse 3, it says, they say, Please come with your servants. So they not only want permission, Elisha says, fine. Go cut down your trees, build your dorm, whatever you want to do. But they say, no, we want you to come with us. Now, I have a suspicion that one of the things, that, one of the reasons they might have said this, not only did they respect Elisha a lot, but also he's, he's a good guy to have around. I mean, he can cleanse water. He can multiply bread. He could cleanse leprosy. He could sick a couple of bears on unruly children. I mean, he, he was a good guy to have around. So they asked Elisha to come, would you come with us? And he says, sure, I'll go. And so they go there, and they're cutting down their trees, and they're doing their things. Now, I brought something today, an axe. I never brought an axe to a sermon before. This is my first time. I was going to bring just an axe. I have an axe head that I found in an old barn in Kentucky when I was tearing it down. I was going to bring that, but I wanted to bring this one. Here's why. Look at this. Well, you can't really see it. This axe head is loose. Now, I've been using this axe for a long time with a loose axe head, so if I miss a toe sometime soon, you'll know why. It's, uh, it's already got a couple screws in there trying to expand the wood to help it hold into place. Really, I need to get a new handle for this. Uh, I'm just not good at doing that kind of stuff, uh, following through on I'm a cheapskate. So. But this axe has been used a lot. Now, if I were to just take a few swings out there, just to hold it in my hand, but just swing it that direction with a loose axe head, some of you may not like that very much. And here's the thing. If that axe head came off, which if I tried hard enough, I believe I could get it to come off, it would not just float up to the ceiling. It would come down. Probably on somebody, okay? We have a lot, a lot of folks. I always tell people, sit towards the front, and y'all are going to say, not anymore, right? Okay, so this, this, this is the problem, right? This, axe heads are heavy. You know, if you, if the, the weight is all in the head. And if you know how to use an axe, you know that. And uh, that axe head could just, it would just immediately sink. 
Now, perhaps the axe that this man was swinging had the same problem. We don't know, but perhaps it had a loose head and needed a new handle, whatever it may have been. But no matter the cause, the effect was that this man lost the head of the axe. And what made it especially terrible was not just that he lost the head of the axe, but that it was a borrowed axe. He says, oh, my Lord, speaking to Elisha, and it's Lord in the sense of not like God, but like my master. He says, I've lost this axe head, and it's borrowed. Now, anyone worth any good knows that you don't bring a borrowed tool back broken, <laughs> unless you're also bringing a handful of cash to say, I'm sorry, I broke your tool, here's some cash. You don't bring a borrowed tool back broken. First of all, you need to bring it back, okay? Bring your tools back that, somebody, that you borrowed from somebody, but don't bring them back broken. In fact, I had a, a neighbor in Kentucky, and I borrowed his, uh, his little mouse sander, and I, I broke it. And so I told him, I said, I've, I got your sander, it's broken, I'm buying the parts to fix it now, and I fixed it and brought it back to him. And he said, well, you don't have to do that, but you, you just don't bring tools back broken. And this guy, he, he, you don't bring an axe handle back without the axe head. So there's a problem here. I want to say to you, church, don't you know that God is a problem solver? God is a problem solver. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. And he's a problem solver. Now, to be clear, God is most concerned with our problem of sin. He is most concerned with our problem of sin. There is no promise in the Scripture that God will fix every sunken axe head out there. But there is a promise that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He is most concerned with our problem of sin. However, this story is what I like to call one of those cherry-on-top miracles. It's a cherry-on-top miracle. In the end, it doesn't really matter whether that axe head gets found or not. It doesn't really matter. And that matters to the guy, right, because he borrowed it, and he doesn't want to, you know, face the consequences of that. But in the grand scheme of eternity in the kingdom of God, it really doesn't matter if that axe head gets found. However, I believe God is just sort of putting the cherry on top to his miracles and his kindness towards his people. And, and don't forget, church, all of these young men, the sons of the prophets who were there cutting down those trees, got to witness this moment and to see Elisha, the servant of God, throw a piece of wood in the river and this iron axe head floating to the top. That would have been cool. I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been super neat. And I love how he says, pick it up. You know, they were probably all in shock. And Elisha's like, I've been doing this kind of stuff for a long time. Just pick up the axe head, would you? And so he picks it up, and they go about their business. And not only did the man get the borrowed axe head back, but God demonstrated his power through Elisha, the man of God, the servant of God. And that brings us to our second point. God can do wonders through his servant. God can do wonders through his servant. We've already talked about many of the things that Elisha did, or God did through Elisha, and we, we know other examples of miracles that God performed through the servants, uh, his servants in the Bible. He did many things through Elisha, through Elijah, through Moses, through Aaron, through many other people all throughout the Scriptures, and he did great things through others as well. 
But what's wonderful about this reality is that the power of God is not just limited to the Old Testament prophets. I mean, they, they had some power. It came from the Lord directly. But it's not limited to them. Here's the reality, church. God is still working miracles today. He is still working miracles. God still heals people through our prayers. God still encourages others through our love. God still brings clarity to confusion by providing his wisdom. God still provides through the generosity of his people. God still blesses communities and households and entire uh, nations and civilizations through the love of his church. God still saves people from their sins through the proclamation of the gospel. God still restores churches through the faithfulness of those who won't give up on the idea that there can be a biblical, thriving church. God is still using his servants to work miracles. And here's the reality. God wants to use you as his servant to do great things. God wants to use you as his servant to do great things. Now you might say, Surely you don't mean me, Pastor Matt. I'm no Elisha. And I say in many ways I'm grateful for that. <laughs> because I don't want any bears on my children, okay? But here's the reality. Elisha was not what made Elisha special. Elisha was a weird, bald guy. Nothing wrong with being bald, by the way. But God is the one who made Elisha special. God is the one. By the way, we still serve that same God today. The one who made Elisha special is the one who can do special things through us. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what the scriptures say. Jesus said in John 14, 12, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, the community around the apostles reacted this way, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. We have, I could go on. I could go on for the rest of the morning about how God is working miracles and has and has promised that he will do amazing, powerful, spirit-filled things through his people. We can accomplish wonders, church, as his servants by the power of God and for the glory of God. It's not just limited to people like Elisha. It is, it is promised to those who serve the living God. He can heal the hurting. He can feed the hungry. He can save the lost and so much more through you. 
his servant. And that takes us to our bottom line. The person of God can be used to do the work of God. The person of God can be used to do the work of God. Elisha was the man of God. He was used by God because he was devoted to God and anointed by God. That's the recipe. Listen, he was devoted to God and he was anointed by God. Now let's go back to 2 Kings when Elijah handed off his ministry to Elisha. Look again at verses 12 through 15. We have it on the screen for you. As Elisha watched, he kept crying out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. When he could see him no longer, he took hold of his own clothes, tore them in two, picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle Elijah had dropped, and he struck the water. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked. He struck the water himself, and it parted to the right, and to the left, and Elisha crossed over. When the sons of the prophets from Jericho who were observing saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed down to the ground in front of him. We'll stop there. But here's the reality, church. Elisha realized that Elijah was gone. And he knew that it was his turn to be used by God. So he picked up Elijah's mantle. By the way, some of you probably don't know what a mantle is. It's not just the place above your fireplace. Elijah, Elijah was not carrying around a big wood piece of wood, right? A mantle is like a cape or a cloak that you wore. And Elijah had this mantle, and when he went to heaven in a chariot of fire, the mantle was still there. So Elijah, Elisha picked it up, and it was now his mantle. He literally picked up the mantle. And he got busy with the work of the Lord. Listen, church. In these days, God still works through his people. He still works through his servants. And those people are people like me and people like you. He is still working. He is still using his servants. So the question is, is he using you? Will you pick up the mantle and be used as a servant of God? Challenge yourself this week in the following ways. Weekly challenge number one, determine if you are a servant of God. Some of you may have difficulty with that question because you might say, well, I think I'm a Christian, but I don't know if I'm a servant of God. Well, let me just hopefully bring some clarity for you. The Bible makes no distinction between those things. If you are a Christian, it means you have given your life to Jesus Christ, and he has made you a new creation, and you totally belong to the Lord. And listen, that's a blessing to belong to God. It's a blessing to receive all the inheritances that are promised I can't wait to preach next week's sermon as Jesus talks about the sons of God. I can't wait. Some of you might know what weird story. You may know. If you do, you're, you're expert level Bible trivia, okay? But we must ask ourselves, do we belong to God? 
Do we believe that everything we are is His? Can we say, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. Because the reality is, those who have been changed by Jesus should belong completely to God. Weekly challenge number one, ask yourself, am I a servant of God? Weekly challenge number two, ask yourself this. Determine if you can be used of God or used by God. Can you be used of God? Do you believe that God can use you? Because I think some of us would say, I definitely believe I belong to the Lord. And I think hypothetically, or we might say, I I believe that God can use his people. I believe God can use his servants. I believe God can use those who belong to him. But I don't know if he's going to use me. Well, the question is, do we believe the words of Scripture? Do we believe, for instance, Philippians 2.13, which says, For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his purpose. That's a beautiful verse. If you, don't, maybe, if you haven't memorized a verse in a while, that's a good one. Some of you have never memorized Scripture. I'm not trying to guilt trip you, but it's, it's powerful. You can remember this. Whenever you wonder, can God use me and will he use me? Remember when Paul said to the church in Philippi, it is God who is working in you both to will and to work, not according to your purpose, according to his purpose. The servant of God is sold out to do the will of God for his purpose and for his glory. So determine if you can be used of God. God's word says that he can use you. Do you believe the word of God? Now, you might not make an axe head float, but you just might be used by God to do something even greater. Are you sold out to the work of the Lord? Because the reality is, Jesus said this, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. God wants to use you. It should be our prayer that we are not only available, but that God would send more people, more of his servants to do his work. God is not working through the prophets in the Old Testament like he once did. He is working through his church. The church of Jesus Christ is plan A and there is no plan B. So will you serve the Lord? Will you be faithful? In just a moment, we're going to sing a song called the response song. We want to invite everyone to respond to what God is doing in your heart and in your life. Listen, however the Spirit of God is leading you, please respond. If God is leading you to come down here and pray on these steps. There's nothing special. These are normal steps with normal carpet, but some of you feel led by the Lord to come up here and pray. You're welcome to do that. If God's leading you to make some sort of spiritual decision on the spot, you say, I I need to talk to a pastor. I'll be standing right there. I would love to talk to you. Every single week, I'm waiting for someone to come say, Pastor Matt, I have a question. I need you to pray for me, whatever it might be. I would love to talk to you. Maybe God's leading you to be biblically baptized to to demonstrate that you are a servant of his and you want everyone to know 
Maybe God's leading you to join this church family. You say, I've been coming here. I think the Lord's at work here. By the way, I think the Lord's at work here. I wouldn't be your pastor if I didn't think that. You might say, I want to be a part of what God's doing at this church. We'd love to have you join our church family. Maybe you are still lost in your sin. You're not a servant of the Lord. You don't know Jesus as your king and as your master. The Bible says each of us are separated from God because of our sin. But it also says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the greatest supernatural miracle of all time, that Jesus gave his life so that your sins could be paid for by his sacrifice on the cross. And that's not the end of the miracle. The Bible says Jesus was buried in the ground and he rose from the dead, demonstrating that he had power over death, he had power over sin, he had power over Satan, he had power over all evil. And Jesus makes that power accessible to his people. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus says, you will do greater things than I did on this earth. You might say, well, how do I access that power? Call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. The Bible teaches us, all those of us in Christ are new creations. You'll be made new, and God will work through you for his will and for his glory. Just submit yourself to him and say, I am your servant. Use me as you will. If you want to be saved from your sin, if you want to be made new by God, please come see me. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'll explain to you how you can do that. Perhaps you leave this place without making that decision and it's lingering on your heart this afternoon or tonight or later this week. Please pick up the phone, text us, call us, email us, come see us. Let us know that God is doing something so we can pray with you and we can be an encouragement to you as we sing of God being our living hope. There's hope for us, church, because of what God made possible through the greatest miracle of all time, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and the salvation of sinners. So let God work in your heart. Join me now as we pray and as we prepare to sing.